You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TNA podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. This is a very special episode once again as we are joined by one of the best people around, one of the best people who's already been in this podcast as well, Elko Shattori, who's a football manager. He is a Dutch football manager who's worked in Kerala and he's now in Oman. And welcome to the show Elko once again. Pleasure having you and pleasure Thank you. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, I'm sure you you're pointing out the, the best uh, hairdressed uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, thank Definitely. you for uh, for inviting me. I think it's the third time or no? We, yeah, we this speak. is the third time. Yeah. This is the time. It's, it's, it's always yeah, a pleasure. So in this this time of of, of COVID still uh, here in Oman is is they're going to go to the second lockdown, I think. Oh. So uh, there's not much to do um, so for sure, anything that keep me somehow connected to football, I'm always uh, happy to do contribute. Great, great. Thank you. And uh, today we have our co-host Ishan. I mean, our usual co-host Chris is out with a throat problem. So Ishan is there in today to act as a co-host. So welcome, Ishan. I, this hey, is Ishan's first, yeah, Ishan's first appearance on the podcast. So welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And hey, Alko, hope you're doing good, bro. All right. So you're both in different cities now or no? Yeah, we are in different cities. I'm in Kerala and Dishan is in Delhi. So yeah. All right. it's north okay. and south. All yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll make a nice triangle. Oman, <laughs> Delhi. Great, great, great. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be talking about Dutch football in general, not just the Dutch football, the philosophy and a little bit extra as well. But we'll start with Dutch football. The philosophy here, probably Shan can start off, which... So, right. uh, Let's hit it so, off. Elko, so starting off this podcast, uh, I would like really want to know, like, you know, as a basic concept, as a basic philosophy, how would you define the Dutch philosophy? Like we have seen the English philosophy and the Spanish philosophy and as well as the Italian. I mean, these are probably the three most uh, well-known philosophies in football to like most of the fans. But how would you describe the Dutch philosophy of football? One of the interesting things, and it, it always uh, how I always have to be careful how I say this, but you also mentioned the Spanish philosophy. But many people have no idea that Spanish football, I will get back to the Dutch football in a bit, but that Spanish football, I think till uh, the mid-90s, so uh, we're talking about when Johan Cruyff came to Barcelona, that's when club football actually was known. Everyone knows Real Madrid, everyone knows Barcelona. But in that period, uh, the mid-90s, where uh, Barcelona was dominating again, and where Guardiola was part of that team and when Guardiola became the coach so we're talking about 2000s I don't know exactly which year he started with Barcelona this is when Spanish football changed before that and what I'm talking about is before that the national team of Spain didn't win anything always was struggling so when you talk about Spanish football uh, and it is more based on the Dutch philosophy So it's a very interesting combination. And I always defend myself for this. Why? Because at the moment there is a hype of we need Spanish coaches, we need Spanish coaches, we need Spanish coaches. Uh, And because I have all respect for Spanish coaches, I have respect for English coaches, but at the same time I want to work. I want to to present my, my, my style, my way of footballing. And that's a Dutch philosophy. Now, always you have to be careful, I think, to uh, to look at a, uh, a country's philosophy, um, because at the same time, each coach has his 
uh, own style of, of uh, football. And there will be elements. This is when you look at a, a, a cultural thing. The elements of Dutch football for sure are adventures. That means we are not people. If you look at the history of our country, we've always been travelers. We've always been innovative when it comes to uh, building bridges. Everything that has to do with water, uh, Dutch people are extremely uh, well educated and they, they know everything about water, bridges, uh, digging up stuff, making land out of water or the other way around. The point is we've always been very adventurous person. We traveled a lot. And uh, on top of that, because we're a very small country, we have a very small amount of people. So uh, in quantity, you have to be creative in order to stand out. So if you look at the history of the country, there are some we've been at, at a certain period of time, the richest country in the world uh, that because of trading. So those elements you can also find into the football. And I think that is also the best way to, to describe the nature of the football without going into to specific uh, uh, attacking, defensive or uh, set-piece elements. But I think because of the uh, small country that you have to be creative in order to stand out and that you see the same in football. And there was a huge area. It's still there uh, because of the creativeness, trying to, uh, because you have lack of resources, you have to implement young players and uh, uh, yeah, bring in uh, an, an energy energetic way of playing and wanting to attack these these are basically the core things uh, about the dutch football all right does that thanks, make thanks. sense yeah that, that actually makes yeah. a lot of sense and actually uh, coming to the point of like uh, how guardiola changed the spanish way of football and how i mean we all know that how much of a difference you know how much of an impact cryev had on the barcelona team and in general like the Spanish philosophy of, you know, how to play with possession and pass and move and everything like that. Do you think, like, what do you think Guardiola brought into that Spanish philosophy which just tweaked the, you know, the, I mean, I would say like got the best out of the Spanish element as well as the Dutch element in that Barcelona squad? I think it is not, it is not like when, when Guardiola came that at that moment Spanish football was not uh, an attacking play of style. It, it was. It always Spanish football always has been based on on uh, ball possession based football in general. Yeah. Uh, but when Guardiola came and he created the Barcelona uh, uh, Dream Team Two, Johan Cruyff had Dream Team One. That team uh, from Guardiola, basically, I think maybe seventy percent of that team became also the national team. And the results or the the how do you call it the the, the, the titles of, of Barcelona and Real Madrid always has been famous but now that also reflected into the national team and that's how Spanish football basically was put on the map because before that go look at it Spanish football never has been uh, uh, the national team never has had won anything even hardly win yeah. any finals or get to the finals etc a big part yeah. of that I'm sure also is of course uh, the because you have Spain and you have Barcelona, they don't see each other as one country. Uh, I'm sure that is yeah. also part of the problem before. But what Guardiola brought to it is that he brought uh, almost one team that became the national team, and that's that that's that uh, became. They said it. Uh, how do you call it? They uh, get a return into results with the national team. I mean, they became world champion against us against Holland. 
yeah. in uh, what was it? Uh, I forget the, in, in South Africa, the World Cup. Um, I think two thousand ten. Guardi- yeah, two thousand ten. I, I think that was so, two thousand ten. Yeah. Yes, but what Guardiola brought to to uh, to the way of style is basically an extension of what 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 Johan Cruyff did in in the mid nineties or the beginning nineties, mid nineties. Yeah. And I think he perfected it, even uh, a, a bit modern, more modern, more physical part to, to it. Uh, the, pre- the playing pressure uh, for 90 minutes. The ideas are the same, but I think Guardiola perfected it. But the results, yeah, this, as I said, almost the whole Barcelona team was basically the, the Spanish national team. And then it suddenly yeah. becomes famous. So uh, I think that is the best way uh, to, to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, that and yep, definitely. And the whole Dutch philosophy, I mean, you have a particular name for that as well, Total Football, which the Dutch invented. So, I mean, you can go through a lot of YouTube videos to know what total football is basically. And you see that in live action as well, implemented by different coaches. They've kind of mixed up their own philosophy. I mean, they've mainly stuck total football as the base and added some, impl- I mean, added some elements from their base to improvise on that. I mean, we are seeing that uh, even in the uh, modern era as well. But the whole concept of Total football was probably initialized or started by Rinas Michels, who is who by France football was voted as the greatest manager of all time last year, and he was also voted as uh, the coach of the century of the ni- of the ninety I mean 1900s by FIFA in 1999. And you have Johan Cruyff say that Rinas Michels was his idol even as a player and also as a manager. So the whole concept of space, the space paradigm was probably thought of by someone called Jack Reynolds, but it was Rinas Michels who kind of implemented it in real style. And also, I mean, the 1974 World Cup was so eye-pleasing. I mean, we have countless articles, countless information on the 1974 World Cup. And that's where the Dutch, that's where the Dutch, I mean, that's where Dutch football actually got its name. That's where they got the aesthetically beautiful football tag as well. Although they lost in the final against Germany, which they kind of redeemed in the 88 Euros by winning it, Rennes Michels again. But that brand of football, even though they came out in second place, it will be remembered forever. I mean, 30, 40 years from now, we remember it. We we kind of rave about it. And it will be remembered forever. And that's that's a contribution that Linus Michels have, you know, kind of brought uh, into football. So probably what's your take on Linus Michels, Ilko? Do you think the tag of being the greatest manager ever is probably the right one? You, I always look at uh, innovations in football. So that means it's not about wanting to change football just for the sake of changing it. Uh, but what can you contribute as a coach to make football more attractive and still uh, get results because I do think football is for the supporters. Now, that is one part, and I think Rinus Michels for sure did that. But I add to that that if if Rinus Michels would not have Johan Cruyff, if he would not have Johan Cruyff in his team, his impact would have been a lot less. Now, for sure, is that that his strategy, his way of thinking was ahead of time. That means there was a, um, yeah, it was a, like a fresh breath, breath of uh, air going to football. But sometimes you have periods of time. I'm looking, for instance, if you look at music in, in the 60s, 
uh, there was a huge revolution where uh, hippies starting to uh, yeah. come with their music and it made a huge change in, in, in the society. You can have to see that also a little bit with football. Yeah. Michels was at that time uh, far ahead with his ideas. But a lot of that came also from Johan Cruyff. Uh, the way he played, the way because if you listen to any interview of Cruyff, the way he thinks and the yeah. way he expresses football is is almost completely different than anyone uh, you hear. So the impact that uh, Michels had uh, was fantastic. Uh, I also think it was the right moment in history uh, that, as I said, uh, most f- football was still based on the English model. Uh, basically, it comes down for hard work and long balls. But at that period of time, Michels, uh, yeah, you, you can read his books. You can see the strategies uh, playing with the offside. I remember last year uh, with uh, with Kerala Blasters, we had one offside yeah. trap. Basically, if you look at the videos from uh, from the Dutch team in 1974, you see constantly teams getting in in the offside trap. So these things, yeah, they are beautiful to see, uh, and and yeah, they come from from that era. And I think uh, Michels contributed uh, a lot to it. But as I said, in combination with Cruyff, I'm sure if Cruyff would not have been there, it would have been different. Yeah. And when you lift that. To the part, and that is unique, that is really unique, is that uh, we became two World Cups in a row uh, second. So we never win the World Cup and we will never win the World Cup. I will get to that later. Uh, But we two times became second, actually three times, but in a row. And still people talk about the team that became second. You, you, yeah, you, you yeah. hardly see that. That, 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 is, that is unique. So that it means it, it really shows that, yeah, there was something going on. It was a big positive. Yeah, and, and if you look at Reyes Mikel's career as well with Ajax, Barcelona, FC Cologne in Germany, and also with the uh, Netherlands national team, or Holland, uh, he's, he won a total of 13 trophies, which is not a huge amount. I mean, you have the likes of Pep Guardiola, who's won a lot, I mean, in, in just a short span of, time right now in his career and he's going to win a lot more as well in the future. You have Jose Mourinho who's also crossed the 20 mark and you have the great Sir Alex Ferguson who I guess it's around 49 or 50 or something. So you have managers who's kind of won more more than Reynas Mikels but the impact like I said probably that impact probably translated to Johan Cruyff as well who then wanted to take it up upon himself and kind of re-establish or put a foot footmark in the whole total football or Dutch philosophy. And I know, I mean, peop, I mean, we can probably talk endlessly about the contributions of Johan Cruyff on football, on Barcelona, on the Netherlands national team. But in your opinion, Ilko, probably if you had to pick more, maybe two or three things, which Johan Cruyff, on what, what Johan Cruyff did was most important to football as a whole, which three would you be, I mean, you'd be picking? Playing ball possession based football. That means dominating is also something that I really like to do. I like to go into a game to dominate. Uh, you see it now with uh, even uh, Bill Sauer, how do you always say his name? He, you can see it, he wants to dominate. And yeah. Johan Cruyff absolutely brought that to, uh, to football. I remember mid 90s, it, it, it's called the Dream Team One. Um, secondly, to look at football for supporters, that football is for supporters. That, that, that means you, you play it to entertain the people. And three, uh, very specifically, not caring about systems. You hear too many people. Actually, I I made a small um, course about how to analyze football, and I'm invited to for for a certain company to make another course. And one of the things, one of the key things in football is that people always talk about systems. Four, three, three. They are there, but 
systems are fluid. And he actually was one of the first coaches that made me realize I could see that it's more important the quality of the player and then you make the system. And many times coaches or people still look at, no, we choose first a system and then we choose some players and it has to be the other way around. So he he was the player of the coach who actually uh, showed that if you look at Guardiola, his body, when he was a player, he was still young at that moment. He came from the second team and behind him, Ronald Koeman. So you talk the two players in the center of the field who defensively, people said, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. They, they are yeah. defensively too strong. Yeah. Yeah. But he knew how to compensate that. So the the, uh, the the point here is that not thinking in systems, thinking about qualities and compensate each other. Those three things I would uh, would, would pick out. I would, I would also like to add another thing, Elko, over here. Like in... Even in like a, say a similar kind of a system, it also depends on the coach, I think, on what kind of a role he wants to assign to any player. So, for example, like uh, Liverpool and Manchester City both play a 4-3-3 system. But uh, in City, we, you can see Jesus or uh, Aguero leading the line as a proper number nine. Whereas in Liverpool, you can see Roberto Firmino playing as a false nine and dropping almost as deep as the midfield to connect uh, the midfield yeah. in the forward. So I think it also is uh, very important to for, for a coach to understand uh, what role to actually give out to his players in order to maximize the output in the whole system. I will answer that, but because you, you, I, I forgot about it, you, you made me remember it. The false nine... The false nine yeah. is basically comes from Cruyff. Yeah. It, it, it is his role, his style. He was a striker, but he dropped in into the midfield like Messi. But he has that amazing ability to to uh, uh, even assist players and uh, have a yeah. vision. So the false nine is also something that basically comes from Cruyff. Now, uh, the question was that, that as a coach, you need to realize uh, what the qualities are of a player. This is one of the most difficult things for most coaches. What... How do you get the most out of people? Either you present a podcast, either you, whatever, a, a salesman or a football player, uh, you get the most if you can use your strength. And whatever that strength is, if as a salesman, you have maybe an, an uh, yeah, what would I say, an, an, a little bit of annoying character, but your, your way of communicating is fantastic, then that is the part that really connects also to selling. Now, with football, it's the same. Each football player, if you analyze a footballer technically, physically, tactically, and mentally, will have on each area certain qualities, and some stand out. So it is about that you use his strength. And too many times, even me, because you have, as a coach, you need to get results. Sometimes you will be a little bit more careful. And this is what I was saying about Kuman and Guardiola playing behind each other. Defensively, we're not really strong, but it was compensated by other players. So, so as a coach, it is extremely important to recognize somebody's qualities and try to use them. The best thing, the best thing, as in you're a Kerala fan, we, we, it's spoken about so many times uh, about the Sahel. In order for his quality, I, I recognize his quality completely. I know exactly what it is and I know uh, exactly how to use it. At the same time, that quality in football is, is still, you need to be effective. So the first thing I look at is what is somebody's quality? And the second thing is, is it effective? 
because in the end, a defender needs to kill his striker, a midfielder needs to give assists uh, and, uh, uh, and score goals, and the striker needs to score goals. So sometimes a certain player has a quality, has a specific quality, but it's not effective. So it's a, it's a puzzle. And if somebody has a certain weakness, you try to compensate it with with another player. That's how that's how a team how you fit it. And these are not things, especially when it comes to young players, when they have certain qualities, they overdo it. They they try to. I still see, for instance, on uh, on Twitter sometimes uh, from uh, Indian uh, uh, media, social media, they post so many small videos of players doing juggling and all kind of tricks. Great, <laughs> fantastic, nice to see. But that is not football. That is, the, and then people think, yeah. oh. That, that guy, we need to get that guy. But that's what I'm trying to say. It has to be effective. And the coach needs to recognize certain qualities. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's much more than just the highlight reels, obviously. And I mean, people also put a large emphasis on the numbers. Say if you're a striker, they expect you to you know score a lot of goals, score 20 plus goals a season, or else you're labeled a flop if you play for a big team. Yes. Same for midfielders. If you, you, I mean, what people see is that, okay, he's not delivering assists. He just has three assists in like 40 games. It's He's not good. But there are certain roles, probably in a system, like you said. I mean, Ishan was bringing up Roberto Firmino's role, where he's a false nine. Yes, if you ask me, has he scored enough goals? No, he hasn't. I mean, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why he hasn't scored is because his finishing has regressed a bit this season, which is acceptable. But is Roberto Firmino playing at Liverpool to score 20 plus goals this season? No, mm. he's playing there. He's playing dropping deep. He is playing basically to connect Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane to the midfield. If you, yeah, if you know, if you look the wingers and the midfielders. They all look. If if the striker drops, if Firmino drops, then space is opening up, and all those players they have the physical ability to get in there. So it's it's a clear puzzle to me that that fits. That is very very obvious. Yeah. And, and another important factor is and player intelligence. I mean, you had Arsene Wenger say this. What he looks in a player is before you even get the ball, before you even receive a pass, the first thing that a player should do is scan. And, and you don't necessarily need to look all the time to see if a player is around. You just take a millisecond or a second to scan who is around you. And a good player, what separates a good player and a great player is, a great player, before he receives the pass, knows where his target is, where he has to pass that ball to. And you saw that in Dennis Burkham, who's a Dutch legend, who's one of my favorite footballers, because he saw things before he even received the ball, which is amazing. And that is another thing which is not pretty much spoken about. And that, that is another thing which the stats nor the highlight reels might show. So intelligence also is probably, yeah. 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 I, I, will, I will give you a perfect uh, analogy that I always use with the players. Um, you both drive car, you have a car. Do you drive car? Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, so, yeah. so a good, so the first thing that you, you learn is the skill of driving. It's it, it takes a little bit of time. Anyone can drive a car. Yeah. Now a good a good car driver is someone who anticipates. That means you know already up front, far in front of you what is happening, and you know what's happening behind you. You're checking. A person who all the time is just looking in front of him driving, not anticipating in front of him, behind him, is exactly the same as a football player. So a football player, if you're too much focused on your skill on receiving the ball, uh, because your skill is not good enough, you will not be able to anticipate. That's an intelligence. And that, uh, that, that anticipation of a football player is 360, unless you are 
maybe a winger where it becomes 180. But basically, you have to look left, right, because opponents can show up. So in order to anticipate, in order to know what you're going to do before you receive the ball, you need to have a skill in order to that you trust on your skill. Now, the next step is, let's say that you are a good car driver. Your skill is very good. Now I'm going to put you in a Formula One car, a race. So the tempo goes up. Now the anticipation becomes even more difficult because your skill now has to adapt to the speed. That is the same in the level of football. So the higher you, the higher the level of football is, the higher tempo it is. So you have maybe somebody with a fantastic skill, really good skill, is good at a lower level, but not on a higher level. But the skill, the skill itself yeah. is the same. But now you need to learn how to use it on a higher tempo. So slow driving or fast driving. It, it, it's the best way for a player make it, uh, to, to understand uh, what I want from him. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good analogy as well, like you said, Ilko. I mean, yeah. that's, where, that's where probably you need the coaches to connect those pieces, connect those puzzles, yeah. help these players out. Yeah, and Ish- Ishan was probably uh, speaking something when I interrupted. Uh, that's fine. Uh, so what I was saying, Ilko, it's like what... Uh, Cryf, I think, once quoted something like, uh, you know, playing football is pretty simple, but playing simple football is the toughest thing to do. So it's it's like, you know, how now, the you know, the media has made like, you know, as you were saying, like the Indian media outlets were putting videos out of people juggling or like doing some tricks at their homes or whatever. So it still does not, uh, you know, make sense because, uh, you know, Will they be able to translate that on a pitch? Will that ensure that their passes are right or, you know, their movement is right? No. So, I mean, what do you think, uh, like, has to be done in order to, like, make a player's basics correct as compared to just the trickery or whatever they have as their skills? Uh, a big part of it is also culture. Yeah. In, in India, you have uh, Bollywood. What is Bollywood? <laughs> Bollywood movies. Everything is colors and exciting and uh, it's beautiful. But it yeah. also is a perception. It means yeah. people like to see the action. The, the If you look at the... The entertainment. I don't, I don't look, yeah, exactly, the entertainment. So people will be more attracted to the entertainment than if somebody would be uh, maybe a really good actor, but yeah. does something very simple. Yeah. So when you talk about uh, simplicity, what, what you said, Cruyff, it is, uh, football is very simple, but it's very difficult to play simple, comes down to that part. So people, but when you when you can develop it, that means uh, if you look at uh, what uh, Guardiola did in Cruyff, where you play one touch football and then once in a while you have a Messi or whatever who make it action, then it comes together. But that is something is part cultural, like what do you like to see in football? But in the end, uh, uh, yeah, football cultures over time they start also understanding that it's not about the juggling thing or to the, or yeah. the nutmeg and and then not being effective. In, yeah. Here in Arab countries, you also have that same thing still when somebody plays a nutmeg that is after that lose <laughs> the balls, people still, yeah, yeah for me, for me, yeah, I, I don't look at it. Over time, people hopefully will, will understand it better. So, and also coaches, maybe like interviews like this or in media, they, they express these things. But it is something that, yeah, that for me always like, yeah, I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in, in, in jugglers. Yeah. Does not mean, does not mean that if you can juggle a ball that it could be useful to become effective because when you have the skill you can do everything with the ball yeah, that, yeah. that's the start that's a basic thing so that just shows like you're technically 
on a slightly better scale as compared to others, which you can use in many ways uh, during the game. I will I will give you an example that in my training, in my warm-up, um, so let's say that you have a, an amazing uh, gift to, to juggle. That also means that you have a really good gift to do a few things at the same time. That means uh, while you're juggling, you 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 you, uh, you calculate the speed of the ball. Maybe you you uh, um, it's it's an it's an anticipation of a lot of things going on. It's difficult. So yeah. in my warming up, in my warming up, I use a lot of coordinative exercises in order to learn a player to do more things at the same time. Okay. Juggling is also is also yeah. something like that. I use certain juggle exercises with the hands or whatever for a player to to learn how to coordinate because football is you do three, four things at the same time. You look right. at the speed of the ball. You need to look where the opponent yeah. is. Uh, you need to already anticipate uh, where where your uh, where your friend is, your teammate. So you always do a few things at the same time. So juggling is a part of that. That is a part of, of could be a good training. But in the yeah. total, it's not something that contributes uh, on itself. Yeah, and uh, one example that probably stuck in my mind right now, I mean, you, when you said that players do these skills but you know the next 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 thing you see is them losing the ball i mean arsenal I, i'll take arsenal's example this season they signed nicolas pepe for 72 million and i mean last season i mean i did not watch french league much but i watched a lot of highlight reels and pepe was amazing they played they paid 72 million for him there was a lot of hype around him as well last summer and i watched him play probably from the start of the season to now I see an improved Pepe and you can see that even in his numbers, I mean, when he yes. first started playing, he used to do a lot of skills. But the next thing you see is him losing the ball. He used to overdo it too much or he didn't know yes. when to release the ball exactly. And the, I, I think in the Arsenal game where they lost to Olympiacos in the Europa League, I mean, there were two openings where he could have slid in the ball to Aubameyang or Lacazette inside the box where he could have passed and Lacazette or Aubameyang yeah. had a clear shot at goal. He didn't release. He, he waited for a couple of seconds more and the chance went completely. And that, that is something that he has improved under Mikel Arteta. I'm 100% sure that Arteta might have seen that. I mean, I, I still see him doing uh, overdoing a bit, but it's a gradual process. But I still see him releasing balls more often than he used to do in the early part of the season. And I think under Arteta, he's been one of the most improved players. And little will, things like this. Yeah. Yeah, little no, things will, like this. I will help. ask you. I will yeah. ask you, both of you, you. You make a podcast. What What is the nicest thing for you to do about a podcast? What is the nicest in the whole process from from preparing till finishing? What is the nicest part of the podcast for you? Which process or which thing do you like the most? Uh, in my opinion, probably I would say the content. I want the content to be, you know, good. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, it, the, it, the talk. It, yeah, talk. Oh, yeah. Do it now, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So if you if you take from the beginning of the process, the preparation till the end, making the the how do you call it, uh, editing and stuff, yeah. it's a I don't know how long it takes, but there's only a small part of it that you like the most. Yeah. yeah. So the point here is with football players, like what you just said, they choose only that part what they like the most, but actually editing your uh, the preparations that you do preparing the questions and editing uh, the the stuff makes it the perfect picture it will give yeah. you the satisfaction in the end but what yeah. we like the most now for football players if they only want to focus on on that part that they like the most the dribble that's why certain defenders 
they like to kill a striker and not be involved anymore in the football. Extreme. Striker only wants to score goals and focus on give me the ball, give me the ball, but not on the rest. So that is a process of uh, or a gift of a coach to make a player realize that. And that's also something, for instance, when we talk about, I go back again to Sahar, there is some parts of the football he really needs to add to his game in order to to become a superstar, to become, uh, because certain qualities are there. And it's the same thing what you said with, uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. And if a coach is able to make a player realize that, especially for young players, that's how you grow. And also, and that's a very, very important part, is the players around you. Cristiano Ronaldo would never become have been such a star as he is now if he would not have gone to Manchester United. I'm 100% convinced. I don't care what people say because the people around him, they really uh, 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 made him aware that it's not just about the tricks and the scissors and the, yeah. that he can score the goals, yes. But I'm sure that and coach and the environment, the players around him, uh, uh, yeah, they are extremely important to to make a process like that grow. I mean, I mean there used to be a quote or something. I, I don't know if it's a fact, but... I mean, initially when Cristiano came in, he was all tricks and skills and dribbling, juggling, the steppers and stuff. But in training, the senior players like Ryan Giggs, etc., would actually give him a scolding or would go yeah, would yeah. go hard hard on him. And Sir Alex yeah. Ferguson was another hard critic of yeah. yeah. So that, that that is something which you talked is. I mean, I really think that that influence has really helped Ronaldo become who he is today. My son. My son, my son is uh, this month he will become 14. is a uh, is a very skillful person in 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 sports, but he's he's mentally a, a bit weak. And what I mean by weak is he gives up easily. So I am now in this period of time. I'm doing training with him, some some power training, some some strength. Before every training, I have a little bit. So always it's the same with Ronaldo. Like when you and I always I don't respond to that. I don't, and and that is something that gradually that a player uh, or somebody learns that you have to deal with, yeah. with with difficult things. So I always say maybe maybe 20% of what what you what you do, what you really like, what you, the thing that you really like is 20%, but 80% are things that you like less, and yeah. they yeah. decide eventually how far you go. Yeah, yeah that correct. that's that what it, anything in life. So Elko, I just wanted to ask you one thing, like as you give your, give the example of your son, so. We have been seeing of late that uh, there are a lot of young players which come up at like mid-table clubs or like big clubs and who show a lot of, uh, you know, spark while they're very young, say 17, 18 or 19. But then they gradually fade away. Like we have numerous examples uh, doing the rounds. We, like we saw what happened to Real Madrid's Martin Odegaard. We have seen what, is, what happened with Ravel Morrison. And even Barcelona's Giovanni dos Santos. So, how do you think that you know that that mental part of uh, the game can a young player strengthen? First of all, I think that a huge a huge influence, even though people will say, yeah, it's part of uh, society, is uh, is the social media attention and uh, being involved in 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 Instagram. I'm not saying that it's wrong. You can use it, but I think it has a huge a huge influence on. Uh, uh, the way people look at you and you start thinking that you're a great person. Well, you're not. You did. There are yeah. players who didn't achieve anything and already think I'm a big star because they get so much attention and they're yeah. seeking that attention. To me, like for for instance, one of the big, the the best examples are mostly the the best players in the world 
They, you can also, you always see they have a certain humbleness to them. Yeah. There are exceptions, there are some extrovert people, but basically really people who really are at the top or made it up, they have something humble to them. And there are exceptions. Yeah. As an example in uh, in India, if I take uh, Burgess, you can see, or uh, um, the, the young player I had last year with Kerala, um, ah, I forget the name, his hold, the holding midfielder, uh, young player, uh, Jackson. Yeah, you you, yeah. you can you can see you you can feel it in the way they are humble and they are working on what they're doing. They're not interested in all the social media, Sarah. The players who are a lot interested in the social media, you, you will see they have a lot of attention. But you also see they're not really taking off. There is a relationship there, hundred percent. And if you when you are young and you don't have somebody behind you as a coach or parents or your agent, also agents play a huge role in that. Constantly right. thinking of of making big money and 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 trying to oh my player this my player that well they didn't achieve anything. So that that it's a different world at the to be honest because. And I, I always like old-fashioned things. I'm, I'm more a little bit of conservative in these things. I like it more tough and rough, and because you don't gain anything if you always are in the attention or get things. You need to work for things, and that is something that yeah, you need sometimes for young players, role models who can help you with that. I had last year in the team Bart Ogbeche, who's a, not only for me. Every time I talk to the players, I will go to Bart and said, speak to him speaks because he had the experience and he has that attitude. So these things, they are have huge influences on uh, on young players and that's lacking sometimes. Yeah, I'll go. And I'm one example of that is Paul Pogba. Like, I, I don't want to delve deep into Pogba's issue when he's a really, really good player. He's For me, he's yeah. definitely yeah. one of the best midfielders, but the attention that he gets on social media sometimes turns into criticism when he drops a bad performance, when he loses a ball. Uh, when he cheaply loses a ball in a game which leads to an opposition goal, he gets slander for that. And if it's a normal player who's not, not pretty much active on social media, you don't see much of that going their way. So like you said, yeah. there is definitely a correlation there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, even, same for, for, even same for Benjamin Mendy. I mean, I mean, you yeah. can see like how his performances have even dropped after like, you know, so much of social media attention all the time. I will, I will tell you something where... It also fits into society at the moment. Everyone's a victim. Everyone wants to be a victim. It's so easy to become a victim and say, oh, I'm insulted. If you had any idea when I was growing up or within teams, even in Holland, where what people said to each other, really tough, straightforward talk. But that's what makes you stronger. That doesn't Correct. mean that we need to shout. That doesn't mean that we need to shout at people just for the sake of shouting. But it's about being honest and grow a pair of balls of, okay, you can say whatever you want. I will prove you different. Now it is every time, oh, he insulted me. I need a safe space. I need this. I need that. Bullshit. I really, it makes me sick when I see these things. It, it uh, Because it's not part, it's not part of top sport. Yeah. Yes, in social life, in general life. Uh, you need to be nice to each other. But at the same time, if both of you have to argue over the quality of your podcast, if you don't speak to each other from your heart what you think, if yeah. one of you, for instance, feels that the other one uh, is not being sincere or not honest, you have to tell him why you're not. Why didn't you ask yeah. Ilko this question or whatever? If that yeah. if that honesty is not there, yeah. you will never become something and if we Definitely. put that under the and you say oh how did why did you attack me in anything in life and that is something i really to be honest i miss that and that is also something in my career i see that in india 
that many times clubs think that I'm a very difficult person or that I'm outspoken, but everything I say comes from, from the, the heart, heart and has a goal to improve, yeah. nothing else. Yes. And, and I think a classic Dutch example of that is Louis van Gaal. I mean, Louis van Gaal is probably, uh, when he was at Bayern Munich, players definitely didn't like him, definitely didn't like, yes. I mean, the way he spoke. But yes. what he did was for the good of the players. You see Louis van Gaal, I mean, he's one of those coaches who's respected by a lot of people who, who really knows coaching. I mean, I spoke I spoke to different people who, in, in the football industry and they all respect Louis van Gaal. It, it's because of I that attitude. Yeah. True, but there is there is an opposite side of it. You can be straightforward, you can be very direct, but it's also how do you say it? And I think yeah. Van Gaal has one problem. He really has one problem. And I sometimes also have that a little bit. When you criticize him, is the way when he speaks to the media, uh, he's always he always wants to uh, explain himself how or what he did. Well, sometimes you need to be a little bit uh, uh, make a joke out of it and uh, and yeah. uh, don't go too serious into it. So it works both ways. Yeah. So I don't mind uh, media attacking me because I know that certain things. Either they try to make some kind of uh, excitement. But when it comes to the relationship between a player and the coach, uh, or between you two within your staff, what do you think? You need to be straightforward. Everything exactly. on the outside, you can to be very honest, but you have to sometimes be a bit more the way you answer it. And, and there he yeah. has a problem, that's for sure. Exactly, so, yeah. So, so I feel like if you are passionate enough for like a common cause, fights are bound to happen. And I think they are something which actually makes the team as such that bit stronger because that way is, you know, you actually address each other's problems and work towards solving them. So I think yes. in today's times, people actually don't communicate that well due to which, you know, uh, there are like unresolved resentments which people keep inside why and that that express that expressions come out while they're playing so you know as like if i i've had a fight say with my fellow center midfielder i might not pass him sometimes because you know we are not yes. expressing that out it, that happens but over time if you especially when you're young you you yeah. you learn how to hey wait this is this is not benefit nobody this this is if yeah. somebody criticizes you and you totally don't agree if you really, let me say like this, communication is the most, it decides the quality of, of, of our lives. It doesn't matter yeah. in which level. But how to communicate is something different. That means if you communicate and you always are trying to be right, or are you communicating to actually listen to what the person says? I agree or I don't agree. But not right. already upfront because you are criticizing critical and I make it personal and that a lot of people don't know how to deal with that that, that, that is something that uh, I I finished the season with Kerala they invited me to come to uh, to Serbia I made a presentation for the owner and I could see that he didn't like the criticism I gave I could see that and and uh, but it's only with one intention to improve to to become yeah. better the same thing I will sit and say okay what do you think what do you think uh, uh, I did wrong this season? I asked that. I didn't get any answer. So it's an example of communication is the key, but it also means you need to be open for it and be yeah. straightforward. Yeah. Right, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Moving on to the next next particular uh, segment of this podcast is one, one, one thing that has probably halted Dutch football probably for the last five, six years has been the lack of options up front, up top. 
I mean, you look at Dutch football over the years, you produce some brilliant world-class legendary forwards, players like Marco van Basten, Johan Cruyff himself, Marco van Basten, Ruud Gullit, Dennis Bergkamp, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Robin van Persie, and, yeah, and even Klaas-Jan Huntela was an yeah. amazing yeah. striker. But yeah. you see the last few years, you have players like Luke de Jong, Vincent Janssen. Luke de Jong's career never took off the way and he, the, he had the hype. Not a top player. He, he had the hype, but it never took off. Vincent Janssen, he was starting off well in Holland. He moved to Spurs, completely flopped there. And now he is, I, I guess he is playing in South America where he's trying to resurrect his career. So it's it's not worked for players like this. Yeah. And you also have a player, a player called Bas Dost. Who's kind yeah. of a utility player, but he hasn't really clicked as well. I yeah. mean, probably if you look at the last five years, the only striker, actual striker, who's kind of made something as Memphis Depay. And it wasn't easy for him. It wasn't really no, easy I, for him. Yeah, he's, he's a very talented player, but, but yeah. I don't like him yeah. at all. He's not yeah. one of those, those social media people that I yeah, yeah. just start yeah. playing football. And, and, and see, any football um, cycle quality of players it goes through a cycle sometimes you have a good good bunch of players uh, and uh, sometimes less but i am convinced i think we spoke about it in the first podcast when i was with you the football the football is changing and yeah even what you it's it's very applicable to what's happening at this moment in the world with the coronavirus and i will explain it is because of this stupid virus they shut down the whole world and who is suffering the middle class the middle class yeah. is disappearing. That means people who have a jo- have a small small time jo- uh, <laughs> businesses they suffering completely. So what will happen? I will make the relation to football a little bit. What will happen is that companies like Google and uh, what is it um, where you Facebook. order on online stuff? Amazon. Yeah. So big tech yeah. companies they are getting a monopoly on everything. So everyone goes there. Yeah. So all the middle class is uh, is disappearing. In yeah. football, you see exactly the same thing. In the last two decades, it becomes a, a bigger top, so a top league. You see uh, all the uh, the man cities, whatever, have so much money compared to the rest that the middle class football teams have less quality of less money to uh, to spend, and it becomes even on those levels. If I go look at second division in Holland or or even first division, that level dropped uh, very far. Now making the step to uh, to what I wanted to say when you ask about strikers, I think, and that's my personal opinion, is that back in the days, and I'm talking about maybe 25 years or more, most players, they stayed in Holland. So the Van Bastens, the Gullits, they, they stayed in Holland till they were 22, 23, around that age. With their team, PSV, Ajax, whatever, they win the Champions League or at that time the Europa Cup won or they reach something on a, on a good level and then went to foreign countries. Now, most big talented players who are 14, 15, 16, 17, already leaving Holland, going to uh, Liverpool, Man City, whatever. And the chance, the chance to get through the academy into the first team in, in, in those countries is way, way more difficult than yeah. if you would stay in Holland. So what I'm trying to say is, you're taking away the middle class. You 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 yeah. you you're taking away all those players, and if you take 50 very very good talented players, still only one, two, three, maybe four 
will the really top one they will make it all the rest there are so many players at this moment that that went to other countries really good players but you don't see them anymore yeah. Memphis Depay is an example for instance who went too early yeah. on top of his, his stupid media social media thing and now he's going to a lower level there he starts to develop yeah. Virgil van Dijk Virgil van Dijk was in Holland a nobody he went from Holland I don't know which division he was playing but nobody knew him basically he went to Scotland I think then to England and then he went to a bigger club he made a trajectory of step by step and it's the same thing why you don't see really top uh, uh, attackers from Holland anymore they are there they are there in the youth the talents are there but they're going away too, way too early. They don't do that that trajectory. That that's my explanation. One player actually, when I mean, it came to my mind is Justin Clivert, the I mean, son of Patrick Clivert, who himself yes. was one of the yes. one of the best players ever. I mean, he was tremendous for Ajax. Then quickly he made the switch to AS Roma in Italy, and he found it hard there. That, that's that's one of the case of moving too early. Yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely money speaks. It yeah. is. And I don't blame I don't blame them because basically when you can secure your family, even they yeah. take families with them. Father gets a job, yeah. so I understand it. But it is a killer for uh, for the development of talent, hundred percent. I think one of the most uh, important factors, which is not well talked enough with respect to these, you know, transfer moves of younger players, is something like their adjustment to a new city a new culture a new environment with respect to like the the natural environment as well as the environment at the club as well so it's it's something which is not talked enough and it's just thought that you know by fans okay if he's just come over here he has to you know adjust and you know start uh, banging goals or like producing clean sheets or whatever there are two things i want to it's it's about myself when i came to india the first time because that's an adjustment also, and I will give the yeah. example. And the second thing is, I also worked in Ghana. I worked in Ghana with yeah. uh, an academy that is for Red Bull Salzburg. And there are okay. five academies all over the world from Red Bull Salzburg. And they want from each country in Brazil, uh, Africa, uh, Germany, they want to bring the best players in order for Red Bull uh, Salzburg to go to the Champions League. That's their goal. Yeah. Yeah. When I was working in Ghana, they had such an amazing talent. Amazing. I, 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 it was fantastic to work with. But there were some of them who never been outside of Ghana. So when they went for a few trials, when players were doing well and Red Bull Salzburg was asking, okay, uh, can we get him for, uh, for the first team now for uh, Red Bull Salzburg? So those boys, they go on an airplane, go to Austria, never flew before, then come in a country that is cold, black people who, who never been really in, an, in a society where mostly are white people, all this, the food, everything, yeah, yeah. it has a huge impact. And that shows, one, if a club is able to guide that process, and two, also how mentally strong you are. And now I go back to when I came the first time to India, I remember that there is a, what's a, do you, are you familiar with the, the, the place uh, in India, uh, Kalyani? It's the football field. Uh, yeah, it's it's close to Kolkata. Kolkata, yes. yeah, yeah, okay. and 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 at that at the time, sometimes we played games there for the I League because the field was fantastic, really good. But it's in a in a in the middle of nowhere, a very small village. You have to travel there, and where you get in the car, it, it's like it's crazy. <laughs> and there was one. There are no hotels. There are no hotels yeah. there, so we had to yeah. stay. And I remember that my first time, we had to stay in in an. Uh, agricultural uh, university or something and while you have to understand that i come 
from from Europe, I'm used to having a clean shower, having uh, and I, I mean that with respect. I don't mean the, in in a, in a barrel. Yeah. And there it, we get. I'm a very flexible person, but I remember getting a room where I had to wash my, myself with, with a bucket of water. My point is, it's not like I feel too too big for it or whatever, but yeah. those transitions, if you're here not strong enough, if you're mentally not strong enough, I saw it as an adventure. I said, hey, I never yeah. did this before, but it's a, hey, yeah. what would happen? But there are people who, people or players or who will say, yeah, what is this? I can't, I can't work like this. It's the same for, yeah. for players. So adapting to your environment Mental strength is extremely important in, to succeed in, in in something. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the step up to you uh, from Europe to India is definitely hard, and like I could understand the difficulties you might have gone through there as well. And you explained with but example. But but trust me, as much as if I want to go back to Europe, and I'm trying to go back to Europe, when people look at the CV, oh, he worked in India, they all already not take that very seriously. But I'm telling you, because of those experience experiences, etc., made me a better coach. It made me a better coach to deal with things, to deal with problems, to uh, uh, not just have everything perfectly organized. And and that is something, unfortunately, uh, yeah, un- underestimated. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, moving on to the next part, probably about Liverpool, Man City, and all. Probably Shan probably can use that. So- so, so Elko, like right now, we're seeing these uh, really uh, highly attacking teams like uh, Manchester City. You can see Liverpool, even uh, Real Madrid, for that matter of fact. You know, and say at the same point of time, you can see Bayern Munich. Like all, all of these clubs are like you know really pro attack, and you can see the num- number of players they commit onto an attack. How would you, as a coach who is playing against these kind of teams, set up your team in order to? You know, just like as a basic setup, I'm not talking about like the details, but like what would you try to uh, exploit from those uh, teams? Yeah, one of the best, the best books or the best way of if 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 two people or two teams or two countries or competing against each other, then the best book to read is The Art of War from Light Tzu. And in that book, basically, uh, he states that the the the, the ideal way of winning a war is without fighting it and it's a very general concept of thinking so when you have to compete with a better team or any team doesn't matter you try to find patterns of what people are doing so one of the things i would look at is the coach of the opponent team is what is his style how does he react to things because if you would look at let's say 20 games of a of a of a team you will probably find that the coach many times makes the same substitute or what does he do when he's behind or what does he do when they're leading so you try to find patterns in how a coach sets up his team and you do the same thing in the in the playing style having said that you cannot that's you you were mentioning that all those team playing more attacking and and it's very progressive they also have a team around it these days that Basically, almost, I'm exaggerating, each player, each player has one analyzer. One person analyzes one player and then they put it together. So the staff, how to, to progress, even with Liverpool, they have a coach for the throw-ins, a special coach for the throw-ins. Yeah. That's how specific it comes. And if you know how to combine these things, yeah, you can make a lot of progress. So me, if I have to uh, play against a team, I don't have that big of staff behind me, but I do try to look at the key key uh, processes or the key things that are important. And, I, and the best way, as I said it, is if you look at that book, 
the art of war, there are a lot of very simple ideas of way of thinking that can help you in, in, in uh, yeah, try to beat your opponent. But in the end, as a coach, you, dis- you, you depend on the quality of your players. But even if you have less quality and you know how to make them work together, you can still... As I said, you, you uh, what is it, the, the story of Goliath against uh, David, the, the small boy against the David, big yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah, you need to be smarter. You need to be fine. And that's an interesting process of coaching, to be honest. And, and I think we saw that uh, this season when Manchester City played Norwich, early in the season where Norwich kind of yeah. did the same thing that Manchester City does to other teams. They kind yeah. of replicated that. And... City are a team who kind of presses at times. They they have this intelligent pressing tech, uh, strategy, and what Norwich did is, the, I mean Daniel Falk. I mean they've been piss poor in the second half of the season. I'll be honestly here. I'd, I'll honestly admit that. But in the first half of se- half of the season, they were really good. They were as good yeah. as they were in the Championship last season. I know there's a there's a huge step up in the level from Championship to the Premier League, but they did well in terms of overall play. Their passing was like quick, and they knew how to beat the press. At players yeah. like Emi Buendia, Todd Cantwell, who's who's is a very young player, and Timo Pukki, who who had this goal-scoring form till October, they were really clicking. But then it all kind of fell apart. But they kind of beat City in a game where they used what City were good at. So it's kind of like replicating your opponents. I mean, studying your opponents properly and. You know, analyzing how to beat them as well. Sometimes it means copying them as well. Yeah, yes, you 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 do something that they don't expect. But each team, each person, each each individual has a weak link. So a chain is as strong as its weak link. Last yeah. year with uh, with Kerala, uh, never uh, the right back position. We have uh, we are weak. I had the Rakip Rakip there. Rakip, but also lack. Uh, uh, I call it knowledge, and he he improved. But at certain moments in the beginning of the season, uh, I only had Rakip. I didn't have anybody else in that position. Tara was there, but he was in all the time. Not in the air. So work with that. But if you can't if you can't change that, then you have a problem. So you need to find solutions there in order to um, work with the player later. When uh, Tara became fit, it also became much better. Now that does not mean that Rakip was bad, but defensively there were certain parts where he really needed to step up and learn the same thing yeah i do with, uh, with that for instance i made a statement uh, against uh, n bangaluru and against uh, atk he said i know how to beat them people right away fill it in in the wrong way but i knew exactly yeah. where their weakness was and both yeah. times it look if you lose the game they will say oh i have a big mouth but still you can try to because I know where that weak link was without going into details. So it's it's one of the most interesting uh, interesting things uh, when you talk about how to beat Manchester City or how to beat Liverpool. Yeah, there are weaknesses there for sure. Uh, every every team has a weakness. Yeah, and in terms of analysis, like you said, I mean we are coming to the end last stage of this podcast. I mean, in in terms of the analysis that you spoke about to analyze the opposition team, the opposition manager, the guy who I'm going to talk about here is Marcelo Bielsa. I mean, yeah. he has a, he has a good staff behind him who helps in different things. But there is, I mean, it's a well-known fact that Bielsa hires people from outside to help him find something about the opposition to do yeah. something about the opposition. And and I heard the story where he even has people. I mean, he even asks people. To play football manager the game and analyze yeah. the opposition that he's gonna face. 
so he yes. is very much detail oriented and and yes. i think he, i mean he hasn't won a lot of trophies like i said it's a, it's a, it's like a similar case with rinas mikels yes. as well he hasn't won a lot of trophies but he is a manager who's kind of idolized by a lot of people i know pep guardiola kind of has a huge admiration for bielsa maurizio pochettino have a huge admiration for him i've seen jurgen klopp place him as praise him as well lot of managers the great managers right, right now in football see bielsa as a mentor i mean kind of idolizes bielsa and that's the kind of thing he does with the analysis so what what's your take on bielsa and the way he operates look till now i did not one time here Uh, anyone say about Bielsa that he he didn't change a team he always influenced the team he worked for yeah. yeah there you go that means you're a good coach that already means you're a good coach the second thing is he didn't win many titles i didn't win many titles but i know exactly why uh, guardiola started with the barcelona with uh, munich uh, with city the circumstances the quality the platform the chance of succeeding is 10 times higher than somebody Correct. who starts on a lower level or uh, and that's the difference but the fact the fact that bielsa influences all teams is for me it's the great coach it's a top coach now if if i apply that to my own career almost um, in the last 15 years all the clubs that i went to are either i i only started with a few clubs from the beginning of the season very few all the rest i came halfway uh, clubs that are in a relegation zone so you have to save them you have to rebuild and that makes it way way more difficult to be successful but i am 100% sure and i don't care if people find it arrogant or not all clubs where i worked i made an improvement i made a i i i influenced yeah. the uh, the thing so having said that if you then look at the bielsa what i found very interesting is that they say about him and i don't care about the, that he didn't win the many uh, titles but they say about him he is demanding so much from his players that at a certain moment it burns out yeah so they say yeah. for instance he demands so much that you cannot do that over a whole season and that is something i would would love to to look into now maybe and it's just a maybe i don't know because of the coronavirus the league got stopped they got a break they got a huge recharge and that's how they now uh, be champions at uh, the college yeah. win the win the league so it's a very yeah. interesting but for sure as you said guardiola said he's a fantastic coach top coach you can see it and a normal person you can see it he lives in a normal house doesn't need the the, the fame and the, just obsessed with football beautiful very okay. i i like it i really really uh, really like the coach yeah and i'm because he he came into a club leeds united you know they have a good history i mean they have history of you know being one of those big teams in epl at one point i mean the start of the century as well and they kind of fell down and it was it was quite sad the way leeds united kind of fell down but them coming back into the premier league is a huge huge achievement for them and i see yes. i uh, i see in a lot of leeds fans being absolutely ecstatic uh, in social media because they, they couldn't believe it i mean they've seen a completely different team in the last two seasons yep. and the football that bielsa has made his team play i mean you look at their player hernandez former valencia guy he 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 switched clubs he went to swansea where he didn't impress too much i mean i guess he is 35 36 or something right now he didn't impress too much and he went to i, I guess asia or I, i don't exactly remember i think he went to asia or spain where he kind of tried to revive himself and then bielsa bought him to leeds he is one of their main players there he's one of those senior figures as well in that leeds team 
So it all depends on. Uh, for me, I think Bielsa's impact that leads on his players, on his he's kind of combined his style and he's kind of made specific players play that to full strength. And I think we have to give credit to Bielsa for that as well. I, mean, I, I don't for think sure. you can expect expect much from a championship team to do something like this. Look. What is one of the things that most people don't understand is that the result, the result of a football game or the result of a championship does not always reflect the reality. What I want to say is that even if you win a game, sometimes does not reflect actually what happened on the field. So people are blinded. And when you talk about titles, look, if, if you become champion over a long period of season, mostly it will reflect what you did was Correct, because it, it, it stretches out over a longer period of time. But even that, sometimes I think there are teams or coaches who did a fantastic, fantastic job, but are under more difficult circumstances. And what we what you for sure have to conclude about Bielsa is that any club where he worked, you can see the influence. And that already tells me either he win or not he did a championship or whatever. It tells me his philosophy, uh, his way of thinking is to to make football a uh, football team better and that is absolutely uh, a fact. Yeah. Just, just adding another question to this uh, Elko, what I wanted to ask was like if we see Bielsa's uh, career trajectory in the past say 6-7 years and we have seen him at uh, Marseille, we have seen him at Athletic Bilbao he hasn't been at a club for a longer amount of time so Yeah. Do you think that is purely based out of the fact that he, as you said, he demands so much from the players? Or, I mean, I, I read somewhere that it's always, you know, sooner than later, he just uh, has that uh, kind of an attitude where, you know, the, uh, what do you say, like the owners or the staff or, or rather I'll say the board members don't get along with him because he's yeah. so <laughs> philosophically driven as a person. And, you know, I mean, he, he he'll put philosophy over a result. I mean, what are your thoughts it's, on that? You know, very simple. It's, it's a very interesting question because it applies a little bit also to me. If you, you can see, you can see from Bielsa that his passion, he's only there for one reason, to make the club and the team better. Correct. He's not interested in the relationship with the chairman or whatever. He's probably a nice man. He's probably a, a uh, uh, but maybe his his social skills are maybe not that great. But it's not yeah. important to me. I don't care. Yeah. I go back to the Bollywood thing. As long as the perception, everything looks fine, yeah. that is more important than actually what we're doing on the field. And it could be because, of course, I, I, I don't know the details because I'm not there. But what I can see from this coach is someone who who's not interested in all, all those things around it. He just wants to work. He just wants to make the team better. And it's up to the club, management, uh, uh, the whole environment, to adapt to that and not the other way around. Because he's clearly, if he's somebody who has a big mouth and not, not showing that he's improving, then I would say get rid of him. Yeah. But if you hire a specialist and the specialist is showing that there is progress Uh, then also means give him time to build on that. If you don't do that and you just start talking about somebody's attitude, let's say he does a really good job on the field, but you start talking about his attitude, yeah, then you're not understanding because everyone has has bad things on him. I, yeah. I for instance, on the field sometimes can get, if I feel there is injustice, I can explode. I have that thing inside me. Is that something I should improve? Yes. But if you only start talking about that, 
yeah. and say, yeah, but he's not controllable or whatever. Yeah, then you don't understand. Then you bring somebody in who's a really nice guy, but doesn't improve your football. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. And I think that applies to him. That, that, that's why probably he doesn't, uh, he, 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 if he doesn't see that he can do the thing he wants to do, he even even he leaves. Yeah. So that could be a, could be a reason. And I think this is probably one of those problems in Indian football or the IESL, I would say that you don't give a manager enough time to build. You don't have a relegation here in the ISL right now. You just have champions. You finish last, you just finish last. I mean, you, yeah, you can yes. definitely pull up the criticism onto the manager, but you don't go down. You don't like lose a whole lot of revenue because of that. You still have an year. I mean, the whole thing, the whole perception in Indian football right now is instant success. Which is definitely not going to happen immediately. You need to give a manager, uh, and that, that's that's something that I probably wanted to tell you as well, Ilka, because with Blasters, the job which you did, and I'm not just bluffing this, I'm just not saying this just to please you, but the improvements that I saw in Blasters this season is pretty pretty high from what I saw last season, and the results which went probably against your way is down to a lot of other reasons as well. And I remember video doing. And sorry, I remember me myself doing a video on our YouTube channel saying why the criticism that uh, that you you got somewhere in the middle of the season was quite unwarranted because you were hit with a lot of injury crisis. You didn't even have a properly fit eleven. I mean, you had to continuously rotate, and I don't think there's any club in the football. I mean, in, in football, you take Manchester City, you take Real Madrid, you take Barcelona, you take Liverpool, you take any team, Bayern Munich. I don't think a team will work well if you continuously rotate each and every player. I mean, that's no, why you impossible. see like even the big teams start, they have a specific starting level. They have kind of a best starting level. And the maximum changes that might they might make is just one or two players. But with Kerala Blasters, you had injuries in between here and there and you had to change a lot of things. So, yeah, Look, that, that's the, something. Football is very... No, it's very complex because there's one another part to it. I didn't choose any, not one Indian player before I started the season, not one. And I think when you compare the Indian players that we had to other teams, uh, there were uh, there were only one or two two players who actually in the seasons before, two seasons before, a maximum there was one player who played maximum five games in the ISL. All the rest were new, never played in the ISL. That's one part, a very important part. So you cannot judge me on 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 le- not letting me choose uh, the Indian players. Two team was hit with injuries. The reason was simply because uh, the the medical uh, medical department was not good enough. It's very simple, uh, the back to play protocol. Um, so I played 17 games with a different lineup. 17. Never in my history I had that. I never complained about it to the club. I, I, I tried to explain it to them so they understand it. But it's not like I just kept going. Yeah, if if you, if both of you, I don't know who's the, the main guy within the in the podcast, but if you every week or every time have a new new assistant host yeah. and you don't feel each other, it, it, those things will not flow. And it's football, it's the same. Great, great, um, yeah. great. And yeah, the thing that really annoys me is that every season, last season, I remember before we started, uh, people start talking, oh, the best recruitment uh, of uh, of the ISL. Every time there's a new hope, you see it now again. Oh, now the new new era is starting. But if yeah. I look at the, at the, if I look at the, the 
the, the technical director, maybe he's fantastic. Have a look at the coach, have a look at the background. It's also nothing special, but I wish them the best. I hope they do well. But it's always new hope, new. It's all about giving time. It's all about yeah. building together. Yeah. And and unfortunately, yeah, I was was on the bad side of the of the equation. But I 100% uh, can tell you that we made progress on on, on a lot of levels. Yeah, but definitely. That's one part where I think Indian football has to go. You look at even the youngsters, players like Sahal, which you talked about. They want instant impact, and that, that that's not something that you get in football. Football immediately, it's not. I mean, you look at even the best players in Europe, you don't get that immediately every single time. And India, who who for whom uh, football is not the primary sport, it's it's always been cricket, and it's still cricket. I don't know if football might overtake cricket sometime. Let me give you an example. Uh, not last season, but the season before with Northeast. I had on the right side uh, Radim, Radim Metalon, yeah, who I said yeah. right, yes. His attitude, his work rate, his skills, fantastic. Was he very effective uh, in, because a, a, a winger, right winger, he needs to give an assist and score. In the whole season, it took a whole season that he scored uh, one goal against uh, in the semi-final against Bangaluru. But in the whole season, there was one time I took him out, short time, and then later put him back. But he was always doing his job, the basic things he was always doing. So he got the time to grow. He starts the new season last season with the new coach. The first two, three games, he was fantastic. I think he scored one, two goals and, and uh, one assist. And then the style of football they were playing was dropping in, playing on counterattack. And he's not a player for counterattack. His level was dropping. But now, in his development, he got a transfer to, to Goa. And I think it's a really good step. My point is this. Everything you want to build takes time. With some, yeah. it goes faster. With some, it goes slower. Yeah. But if you want just right away impact on, on, yeah, then you also need to to create the circumstances and bring the players that already proven what they can do and you can have impact right away. But overall, still, if you have a whole new team, also with Kerala last year, all foreigners were removed and seven new foreigners come in. All Indian, almost all Indian who come in, all new. They all have to get to know each other. Then you have on top the the, the injuries. Uh, um, so yeah, that, that that is a process, and, and yeah, it, it it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and they they lost their uh, captain as well, Sandeep Singh, recently. So it's it's a big blow. Yeah. Huge from from the beginning of the season. All my three centre backs, the two foreigners and Sandesh, I lost from the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then I had to bring in uh, what's his name again, Raju, who didn't make a preseason. Who the year before in uh, Jamshedpur only played a few games. Again, to uh, look at uh, what's his name, the right winger um, from uh, the northeast. What's his name again? He played. Um, he was injured. He was. He had an. Uh, uh, his knee was. Uh, his ligaments were torn. He didn't play the whole season. The season before, and he uh, uh, started playing halfway our season. But for someone who didn't play that long, it takes time. He scored. A, he scored a goal against uh, Hyderabad. Oh, what's his name again? I forget. I also kind of can't recall. Yeah. So, so m- my point is, he didn't play the whole year and then has to come back from an injury. He got injured again even during the season and then start playing. He, he will not have right away an impact. We had a huge problem also with the wingers. Okay. So all these things take time and still and still we had uh, impact on, on many games that uh, with, with, with less quality. Uh, I go Last thing I will say, with, with Sahel. Um, also to bring in Sahel at a, mo- at a certain moment was difficult because I had to play with two strikers. 
I could I could leave I could leave uh, Messi bully off, but then I would play maybe only with three foreigners because at, at that same time I every time had uh, one or two foreigners uh, injured. Mm. So sometimes you need to change, and it will influence for for other players to have less chance. Yeah, that's that's it's it's more complicated than people think. And yeah, before we end this podcast, we have a patron question for you, Ilko, as well from our patron Dieter Van Gogh. So he his question for you. I mean, he has three questions for you. One. Being the return of Ari and Robin, he's come out of retirement and oh, decided to play again. Yeah. So, what what's your take on that? Is his first question. Second question that he's put out is, what are, do, did do you think that Holland should have won more championship national championships on the in in, in the yeah. national level? And third question yeah. being, who do you think is the best Dutch talent right now? Right, uh, Ari and Robin is fantastic. And this is one of the parts we were talking about that a lot of young talents leave Holland and you don't see them anymore. That is one side of the equation. But the other side of the equation, you hardly, hardly see in the last 10, 15 years, uh, players who played on the highest level come back to Holland. And it has a huge educational uh, uh, value for younger players to develop. So when you have somebody in your team who, who already did everything, so I think it's a really, really good for Dutch football. The question will remain if uh, uh, Robert will stay fit, because that's always something in his career that was a problem. But from an educational point of view, very good. I, I, I will always encourage that because it's a, it's something that is underestimated. Uh, and that is, if you look at the last two decades in Holland, you will hardly see any big players ever coming back. Before, I think... Um, Dirk Kuyt came back, I guess, to Feyenoord. Yes, uh, probably, but right. Dirk Kuyt for me is not the top top, but it, yeah. it, it is, yeah. is, 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 a, is, a, is a positive. But the last yeah. one who actually came back was Frank Rijkaard. He was with Ajax in, in the yeah. 90s. Even after that, you hardly see, and it has influence on, on, uh, on development. The second question was... Uh, do you think Holland should have won more uh, champion, oh. international championships? Yeah. Um, yes. And no, I think <clears throat> I don't think we ever will be world champion. There's two reasons for this. The first reason is it changed a little bit, to be honest. But the Dutch mentality, Dutch people, and I'm being critical to myself, and they think they know everything about football. What I want to say with that is, if you have a football team, uh, you always have two or three captains on on board. So within the Dutch national team, you uh, you see it in history. There are always two or three players all want to be captain, and it it makes it it doesn't give that really feeling of. I mean, they want to work together, but the the amount of conflicts the conflicts around the Dutch football team always has been there, and that's one of the reasons why I say we don't have that mentality of that that if you feel maybe that somebody else is better than you or whatever. To, to commit to the team. Most Dutch people, they want to speak out. And you can see that. And that is, is a negative when it comes to, to being really, in the end, uh, uh, winning. Uh, the second thing is, the country is too small. Uh, we have only, we have 17 million people. So quantity, so let's say on, on each position, on each football position, you just don't have enough quality. If one or two players... If you uh, if you don't have uh, like for instance a striker now, there's no strike. There's no there's no other options. It's the same a little bit what India has now with with the centre back. You have a huge quantity of people, but in within the football community, there are not enough players. There's not, just not enough, uh, and that problem Holland also always will have. So there will be always a 
bunch of players good, but they're always Brazil on each player. They can choose four or five players on each position. Germany on each position, they can choose four or five players. The quantity of the of the the geographic, the yeah, the demographic, sorry, demographics is is against us. Maybe incidentally, maybe incidentally that could happen, but I still will always say that mental part of being stubborn and and always wanting to have a say that's the part where why Holland will never win and the third question uh, is like uh, uh, probably what? if you had to yeah if you had to pick two probably two players oh. i'll say two players uh, one young player and one you know kind of player who's in his peak from the dutch who's a dutch international basically yeah. who's the best best in the world right now probably um to be honest i will the, really the young young talents i i don't follow too much anymore from holland uh, but the two players that i know that stand out uh, for sure is the frankie de jong who went to barcelona but is also struggling a little bit because i think he's used in the wrong way he's play in the position yeah. of busquets and now they put him in a position where i say but the good thing is i heard him in his interviews he said i don't neck i'm here to learn so i think in the future we will still hear from him i think he's exceptional he's really good yeah um and one of the players that he's not young young but is uh, Ziek. he's like moroccan half moroccan half dutch yeah, yeah, yeah he's also a very i think he's going to chelsea if uh, if i'm correct yeah. he has a yeah, yeah, to yeah. chelsea these two players at the moment i think they are uh, are the top uh, top for holland but at the same time i mean you talk about virgil the young of a virgil uh, van dijk sorry right. virgil van dijk the defender holland didn't have too many big defenders anymore and now we have uh, a good defender so uh, yeah that's I would pick out. Definitely, yeah. So probably yes, that's probably it with this episode of uh, the Netflix Arena podcast, Ilko. I would just like to ask Ilko one question. Yeah, yeah, uh, fine, Lord. I mean, and this is totally not related to football whatsoever. Did you end up watching any Indian movie while you were here? Indian movies? Yeah, any Bollywood or any, uh, no. you know. Uh, I mean, I never, I never finish it from the beginning to the end or something. I, I never did. <laughs> and the the reason the reason is I uh, I'm fascinated by look the moment the moment the dancing starts in the movie, yeah. you always see a bunch of people making nice movements and this thing. I really like that. That's it's 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 nice. It's really beautiful. Yeah, but if you can't follow, if you can't follow the uh, the language, it becomes difficult. Yeah. But almost always, it's about it's has one part, but it's always about love and kindness. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But I'm my, my um, the way I watch movies or the way I read books uh, or my mind, I always want to get information. I want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be entertained. I want to solve a problem. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. So. When I read a book, I need to get information. When I watch a movie, I want to solve who killed who. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. that's one of that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very beautiful uh, Bollywood movies, but you can't. I can't follow the the, the language, yeah, and so I just yeah. watched part of it, and, and, and that's it. Great, but beautiful, great. 100%. Great. <laughs> great. And maybe one one more question from my end before we end. Uh, if you had to suggest a football book. Or, or a basic any, any book that you think the pe- people out there should read. Yeah. What what would you suggest actually? A football book? Yeah, a football book or a, any yeah. other book for say yeah, which which people oh, should read are, in your opinion. Yeah. Hmm, there are a lot of there are a lot of very interesting books. I will take two. I just, just told you uh, uh, the art of war. Yeah. I think it's a very very interesting book that reflects on uh, on and life and sports. You can affect. Uh, uh, 
apply to anything. And the second one is, but I don't know if it's in English, it's uh, it's uh, from Johan Cruyff on management. So there is a Dutch politician who wrote a book on Cruyff and he compared politics, the politics leading a country to the way Cruyff thinks about football and he combined it. And the title of this book, in I will translate it to English, you will only see it when you understand it. You will only start seeing it when you understand it. So what he basically wants to say is that I can look at a problem, I see the problem, but I don't understand it. If you understand the problem, you really start seeing what is going on. So so in order to to uh, observe a problem, you it's like, let me say like this, if you watch a game, you're watching the game, you see that something is going wrong. Everyone sees it, but, but many people don't see what is going on. Yeah. So you start seeing it once you understand it. It's a very, very interesting book uh, Book I like. Great, great then. Oh. So, yeah, once again then, thank you, Ilko, for coming on to this episode. It's been fun talking to you. I mean, last two episodes which we already had recorded was also fun. And this is probably my favorite, I guess, from, from the ones right. we recorded with you. Because we talked a lot of good stuff here. And Ishan also, who's making his debut in this podcast. It's 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 well been done. fun. Yeah, it's yeah. been fun. Yeah. Top so. performance. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. This is this is this is probably something that you would also expect from your players, I guess. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> great, great. All right. So thank you once again. Thank you so Everyone. much. So much. You're welcome and all the best. All thank the you. Best. Bye bye. Yes. So stay bye bye. Nice. bye, bye. bye, bye.